you know, it's been 30 plus years uh, since I, and, and I can remember the, the moment. I can remember the location. I can remember all these details of the moment that I realized that God was calling me to pastoral ministry in my life. Very vivid. But I can also say that there are a lot of other moments since then where I I realize that God was calling me to do something even more in my life over and over in distinct moments. Um, And as we get into 1 Peter today, and I invite you to turn to chapter 2, what we'll realize is that I'm nothing special. Um, I'm reminded of that daily. Um, But that as, as we get into this passage, we realize that God has called all of us. In one way or another, he, he set us apart to do something that's different than the world around us. And as we read 1 Peter, if you read it over and over, and I always invite you, please do so. Read it as it was intended, as a letter. Read it to all in one sitting. And uh, as, as you read it over and over, one of the things that you will notice over and over is that Peter uses the word call or calling or uh, called over and over again throughout this letter. And the reality for us today, not just his readers, but for us, is that whenever we recognize that you have been called, you've been chosen, it builds anticipation. I'm I'm sure many of you remember the moments on the the playground in in elementary school when you were all getting ready to play kickball. And the dreaded line against the backstop happened. Can I get an amen? I was never picked first until I had a cast on my left leg. I could kick a basketball with that thing. Um, but, but the thing is, we, it builds this anticipation. I've been chosen. What do I get to do now? What, what is it that, what, that's coming? It, it empowers us. It, it, em, it emboldens us. And this morning, I want you to know. I want you to hear. I want you to understand that you have been chosen. And when we talk about calling, you understand that you have been called to something different. A lot of times, though, when we talk about calling, we, we start to think about, well, this question of, well, what am I called to do? What, it, what is it that God wants me to do? And it's, an, it's a good question. But this morning, I want us to realize that there are th- at least three different types of calling uh, that we experience in our lives. The first is an eternal call to Christ. 
There's a, there's a specific understanding that we believe that the Holy Spirit today is among us and doing a work in all of creation, that, that, that He is winning people, that He is calling people, He's wooing people, He's drawing people unto Himself and creating a spiritual hunger for spiritual things. Because it's God's will that no one would perish that no one would go with an understanding of, of not knowing who he is. And that God wants everyone to accept this invitation of grace that only is found in Christ Jesus. There's an eternal call of Christ. The second type of call is what many people get excited about. It's, it's a, a temporary call to an assignment. When people write about calling, and when Peter writes about it, he, he knew that what it was like to be called. I mean, think about this. He, he was called by Jesus for a very specific task. He, he was, he, at the beginning, it was more of a general, but he was called to be his disciple. He, he, he dropped the nets and, and left everything to follow Jesus. And as a result of that experience... And the ensuing relationship that happened over those years, Peter clearly knows now and can talk about it, what it means to leave our desires and to devote our life to follow Christ. You might be called to a particular role. You might be called to study something in college toward a, a calling of a career. Maybe it's as a teacher or a nurse or, or a doctor or who knows but maybe you feel that calling. You might be called to go on a missions trip. You might be called to a certain part of the world where you know that you can make a difference through Christ. So there's a temporary call, and the, and the lengths of that call are, are, are varied. But we're called to an assignment. But what I want to talk about mainly tonight, this morning, is, and as we primarily focus, is, is what many will often overlook. It's that it's something that God calls in every life of every believer. That there is a daily call to a different standard. When we think of calling, we tend to think of well, what is it that I'm going to do? And, and we, we've started a little bit about that. But what we need to fully grasp is that God starts with the who before he gets to the do. God is more concerned with who you are than he's concerned with what you're going to do. And the reason for that is because if the who is not right, then the do will never be right. As Lenny talked about, there's a lot of people out there doing good things. But the, God is concerned about the motives and about the heart and the integrity of those that he's called to himself. He's concerned with the who because that who leads to the do. And, and I've said it before, when you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. It's easy to get be tempted to forget the who that we are called to be. Because there's a natural desire 
to fit in, to conform to society. So before Peter gets in chapter 3, telling them what they're called to do, he, he more importantly gets into understanding of who Christ is and who we are in Christ. And so he reminds them. And understand, we're no different than Peter's readers at this point. Who are you? Well, starting with verse 9 of chapter 2, Peter says, in light of who Christ is, and, and from verse 4 to, through verse 8, he's, he delves into who Christ is, as, as he is the cornerstone, and now is in the living stone, and, and we're built into that structure. And then he gets into verse 9, that you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Who are you? You're God's. You are God's understanding. As a follower of Christ, what I want you to understand is you have been chosen by God to be a part of His family. You were part of that royal priesthood, meaning that we are all ministers of God. We, together, we are all called to function on, on God's behalf in this world, in our communities, in our families, at our workplaces. We're all called to make a difference. And throughout this passage, as well as most of Scripture, we understand that there isn't really much talk about the individual level of this, but that, that there's an understanding that individually we make up a unit. We make up a community. We are part of a holy nation. We are not different alone. We're not out on an island by ourselves. We're different together as a community. We're part of something big. We're, we're a people that belongs to God. Our lives are not our own. We've been purchased with the blood of Christ. And they, those lives now belong to God. And since they belong to God, we are under His care. We're under His goodness. We're under everything that He is. That's who we are. And Peter goes on to say that because of that, you were part of this priesthood, part of a holy, remember, a set-apart nation. We are God's very own possession. As a result, we can show and exhibit the goodness of God. Because when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. So what did God do? He called you. It says that, that you might declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. We've been called, we've been chosen, we've been invited. We're no longer in the darkness. We're now exposed to the light. Our lives have been transformed. And we are not once what we were. We've been transformed. We are now conformed, not to this world, but to the love of Jesus Christ. We've been called and set apart. Now, I'll admit, there's a lot of skepticism in the world. And there are a lot of people that may not like Christians. 
And they even might call us self-righteous. They might call us judgmental. They may call us intolerant. And tragically, there are some Christians who have rightly earned those descriptions. And yet Peter says to these first century Christians, and he, and he says the same things to us, that our daily calling isn't to defend ourselves. Our daily calling is to represent Jesus in the midst of a skeptical world. To let our actions flow out of our heart and let that do the talking. In verse 11, Peter says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. Remember, we are not part of this world. We, we are not from here. We're just passing through. So as, as aliens and strangers in this world, therefore follow a different standard. You abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives that among the pagans... And I don't recommend you going to your neighbors and calling them pagans, but I'm just. But live good such lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So, what did he say to do? Peter's instructions are basically live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Notice Peter doesn't say, well, first you have to convince them to believe what you believe. Instead, he says, we're going to show them what we believe by how we behave. We're going to show them the, the life transformation that has happened in our lives. Because we're called to be different. We're going to live honorably. And I believe that in our, with all my heart in today's culture that even while there are times for us to get up on a, on, on a street corner and proclaim the name of Christ, that more often we need to earn the credibility by treating people with love. That we treat people with respect. We treat them with grace. Not because they deserve it, but because they are created in God's image as well. Not because we deserve it. We, we have received God's grace when we didn't deserve it. But we need to show people what we believe by how we behave. And that builds the bridge to a skeptical people that then gives us the right to share the hope that we have. To share the love of Jesus that has transformed my life. That has changed me as I, as I constantly and always am pulled to the story that I I've, I've truly believe is, has become central in the life of Jesus. I don't know all that other stuff, but what I do know is I once was blind, but now I see. And as we've talked in the past, and the, and the religious leaders are skeptical, and they're asking this question, what is his result? Why is it that you want to know who it is? Is it that you want to be his believer too? Gives us the opportunity to share. 
Love is his calling. And in verse 15, it says, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. It's the way you live. It's not about what you post on social media. It's the way you live that silences the talk of people who simply don't know any better. So our strategy, it's pretty simple. To confidently and boldly share the love of Jesus by how we live. Love irrationally. Give extravagantly. Serve people faithfully. Do it over and over again. Our daily call is to lay down our life and pick up the cross. Now I recognize that we may not reach everyone. I recognize that because even Jesus had people that turned away from him. But over time, with, with consistency and integrity, in our lives continually being conformed to the cross, it starts there. But what I realize is that if we choose to live rightly in a way that speaks of God's love and life-transforming power, over time, we'll win some. That it gives us the opportunity to share because that's what we do as Jesus' followers. We may not silence just those who, who make the, you know, that, but we may prove ourselves. Peter says in verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. You see, there's going to be times when, when you do good and you live right and you're going to still face suffering. That there will be punishment or, or something. You know, Peter was writing to Christians that would, were, were called and, and were living correctly and yet were being persecuted thrown in the Colosseum, hung from trees, doing all these nasty punishments by the Roman government. Ways that we would never understand suffering in our blessed country that we live in. And we may, but we may not get the promotion because we chose to be bold in our life of Christ. We may not get invited to the party because we live boldly for Christ. Other students in your school might make fun of how you live for Christ. But the deal is you continue to live with the love of Jesus because of what He's doing in you. You continue to live with the love of Jesus because it's the right thing to do that flows out of who you are because of what God is continuing to do in your life. You continue to do good. Peter goes on to say that Jesus is our example. And we're to follow His steps. I mean, think about what Jesus was. He was loving. He was gentle. He was kind. He was full of grace. On the other side, what was he not? 
He, he was never arrogant. He wasn't condescending. He wasn't rude. He was never proud. He was never defensive. He wasn't hateful because of who he was. He was the sinless son of God who loved the unlovable, the deplorable, the outcast, those that were looked down upon. He showed grace to them, to those who were offensive. And this is how Peter describes him. And and I want you to feel the weight of these words as Peter describes his Savior. Verse 22, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the judge. To him who judges justly, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This is who Jesus, our Savior, the Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is. This is Jesus, the one who never sinned, never retaliated for when those wronged him. So then Peter goes on and gives instructions in chapter 3. Of because of who Jesus is, and because we are now understanding of our, our position in the relationship with God, that, that we are the royal priesthood, that we are the holy nation, that we are a people set apart for God's goodness. That as a result, we live differently. And he gives very specific understandings. And let's be honest. People who are not followers of Jesus, they do some good things. On a daily basis, they're, they're good things that we do, they do. But what Peter says is that though that it, is it takes faithfulness, it takes obedience to a whole other level when we put it in context of understanding that our actions come from who God is and what he is doing in and among us. Because what's normal in our world, remember, normal isn't working. But what's normal is that you may do something good because you like that person. But when someone hurts you, normal is to try and hurt them back. When someone hates you, normal is hate them back. When someone wrongs you, normal is to want to wrong them back. When someone's critical, it's easy to get defensive and and find things to be critical back to them with. But you don't have an eternal call to be like everybody else. You have an eternal call to follow Christ. You don't have just a temporary call to follow Him. It's an assignment that is from eternity in that. You have a daily call to live differently. So Peter says in in chapter 3, verse 9, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because this is who you were called, so that you may inherit 
a blessing. Let that soak in this morning. What are we called to do? We're called not to repay evil for evil. We don't retaliate with insults when people insult us. Instead, we pay that back with a blessing. Because we're called to something different. When you know who you are, when you know who you are, you know what to do. Because we put the face of Christ with it. And here's what I hope you will understand. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are chosen by God. You are a part of His family, His royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people belonging to God. We are all called. And because you know who you are, that call places on your life. And I encourage you, keep pursuing Christ. Keep pursuing Him, and when He calls you to set things aside, understand He's calling you to set things aside for a reason. Live differently. We are to be set apart. Holy. Not because we want to pat ourselves on the back and we want to look good. We are holy because God is holy. It's not our own holiness. It's God's holiness that we are participating in. We represent him on a daily basis. Heavenly Father, you call us. You called us unto yourself. I think of that time we read the story where you came upon the fishermen. calling was to drop the nets and to follow you. Later, you called us to pick up our cross and follow you. Even now, you call us unto yourself. You call us into a relationship with you. That one day, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. May your Lordship truly affect us on an individual as well as a corporate level. May, may we lay down the things that you are calling us to lay down. that we would pick up your glory, that we would reflect it to those around us because it changes who we are. Lord, we understand that we are who we are only because of you. That you will one day come again. And call your own. And together we will celebrate and sing and praise God for eternity. May we start now. In this place. At this time. And live differently as a result. In your name we pray. Amen.
God's blessings on you.